0: Thank you. Good morning. So our reading is in Matthew 7, you probably see it up there, uh, 24 through 27. As Laurie reminded me, only three verses. Uh, The title of this is The Wise and Foolish Builders, starting with 24. Therefore, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the truth of it, the authority of it. Sand, rock. Gives us something to ponder. Father, help us to choose wisely. As we listen today, as Pastor Ken preaches, Lord, fill our hearts with hearing what you are trying to teach us. Thank you, Lord, for this day, this church. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: always excited about uh, Father's Day, you know, uh, it's a great time, and when we uh, celebrated Mother's Day, what, a month ago or so, we got carnations, all the ladies got carnations, and I'm told that next week all of the men will get pansies. So I'm excited. I'll be here to celebrate. Unlike, uh, or I should say, like me, I think that uh, probably almost everyone here has picked up a newspaper or book or a magazine because of an intriguing headline or title. I've done that on a number of occasions. I remember many years ago... I don't know the exact circumstances, but I happened to be a place where they had a book rack, and there was a book uh, uh, kind of right up eye level, and it said the title of the book was uh, What the Bible Teaches About Infant Baptism. And that intrigued me, that title. So I went over to the book rack and took it off the rack and opened it up, and it was full of blank pages. Needless to say, I didn't buy the book, but uh, it certainly caught my attention. I thought of that uh, in relationship uh, to the message today on a different occasion. I remember actually buying a book. Well, I remember a number of times I bought a book because it was uh, an interesting title. Uh, One of them, I remember many years ago, I bought a book entitled uh, Shepherds Smell Like Sheep. I thought, that's an interesting title, and it was. It was an interesting book. Well, I also bought uh, a book by Dr. Paul Little. Some of you may know of him, and he wrote a book called Know Why You Believe. Now, that's an interesting approach to the issue, so I bought it, and I still have it, and it's a very, very good book, and I knew that Dr. Little had written a book entitled Know What You Believe, but now he would written a book on Know Why You Believe. And I understand that he's also written a book entitled uh, I Know Who You Believe. So that's quite a series if you wanna pick those up. Uh, they're all good books. But that, I thought of that as I thought of the subject for this morning. And I would like for us to think about the subject of know, of know how you believe. A lot of people know what they believe or think they do Many people even know why they believe, and certainly who they believe in, but I would like for us to think about this subject, knowing how we believe. In particular, I'd like to suggest that we consider four things this morning. Um, I don't know what to really call them, other than the fact that I could call them four components, or levels, or, or aspects of belief. And uh, particularly in relationship to this subject of knowing how we should believe. In Acts 16, you remember the story, I'm sure, of the Philippian jailer and how the Apostle Paul and his companions were thrown into jail and at midnight they were singing hymns and all of a sudden there was an earthquake and the doors of the prison fell open and so forth and the jailer Came apart. He didn't know what was happening. He knew his number was up, probably. And he ran in and he cried out, What must I do to be saved? Now, that's an interesting question, very important question. And the response of, of the Apostle Paul to this scared jailer was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved believe so I would say that's a pretty important subject believing but what did he really mean by that or what did the jailer understand in relationship to that subject or that statement believe in the scripture in Acts chapter 16 we actually have reference to what he should believe and who he should believe and even why he should believe. But it's interesting that he doesn't go into depth as to how he should believe. But there are many other portions of scripture that deal with that subject. In Mark chapter 9, a man brought a demon-possessed son to Jesus and he asked for healing. And the Lord said to the man, if you can, what, believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And so straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help me to believe. Or as it says in the King James, help thou mine unbelief. Suggesting that there is this aspect to be considered of how we believe. In another verse, in Luke chapter 17, the Lord said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Now, there's some discussion as to just what plant he was referring to, but it was evidently a plant that they called mustard. Maybe be different from what we understand, but that particular plant had a very, very small seed. Uh, just like when you open those seed packets, I don't know what it is, radishes or some of them, but just a little teeny thing. You know, How in the world are we get, going to get something to eat out of that little seed? He says, if you have faith, if you believe and have faith, as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to that sycamore tree over there, move, and it would move. In another portion it says, you could say to that mountain, move, and it would move. Suggesting that there is a significant interest or need to have some kind of thought in regard to how we believe, or the degree, I guess you could say, of our belief. So these and other scripture portions uh, express and indicate that not only what or why or even who we believe in is important, but also it's important to consider how. So this morning I would like to suggest that we consider the question of how we believe or how we should believe. Maybe that's the better way of presenting it. And I would like for us to consider it from a, I don't know if I'd say a different perspective or maybe a perspective that you haven't thought of uh, in great length. Actually, this subject um, is one that I have had on my mind and heart for several years now, approaching it and applying it to many different circumstances. And uh, I, I thought of it in relationship to this basic subject of knowing how you believe. How do you believe? Uh, And I wonder if you went up to somebody this week, maybe a Christian friend or something, to say, uh, ask him that question. How do you believe? You know, they might even miss the word how, and they'd think that you were asking what do you believe? Or who do you believe? Or whatever. Or they might be stunned and say, what in the world are you asking that question for? How do you believe? Well, I would like for us to kind of, first of all, understand that uh, uh, two basic possible approaches or, or, possi- or components, I guess would, would be the word I'd use in regard to how you believe. First of all, I think it's important for us to understand uh, belief from the psychological point of view. So I call that soul belief, psycho- uh, psychological belief. And spiritual belief is the second thing I'd like for us to note because both are central to and key to what we might call biblical faith or answering the question, how do you believe? When we read words like believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, or even in John 3.16, probably all of us have memorized that one maybe, he that believeth on him hath everlasting life, shall not perish. We understand that it is the most profound way of believing that is being stressed in these two portions and other portions that are suggesting believe, believe, believe. And I would like to suggest that we understand that it's not just soul belief. That's kind of a made up Title, on my part but soul belief but it is also spirit belief that is included in answering sufficiently the question how should you believe so I'd like for us to consider four aspects three of the aspects of belief have to do with soul belief believing with your whole soul and the last one Believing with your spirit. And uh, so let's begin with the first and simplest component of belief. You might want to write these four down because I kind of question you later. I'm going to have a test." <laughs> My wife said that once in a Sunday school class, and uh, she, uh, she said, "I'm going to have a test." And one of the brilliant students she only has brilliant students. But one of the brilliant students was, "What if we fail?" And my wife, being who she is, just responded by saying, well, then you go to hell. (laughs) She corrected it, uh, you know, after that. But it certainly did frighten that boy. So I'm going to, maybe I'll give a test afterwards. What are these four components or aspects of faith? They all pertain or they all have a part in this thing that I'm calling uh, biblical belief. I believe there are all four of these aspects are included in this concept. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. All four of these. So let's begin with the first component. And this is uh, uh, possibly the most basic way that people think of belief and maybe the most basic way of how people believe, and that is to understand or to think of belief as an exercise of the human will. Now, uh, the, the uh, biblical word, of course, for, for psychology or psychosis or many of those words is based upon the root word "suke." Greek word suke, a New Testament word souke which is basically translated by the word soul. You have a suke. I have a suke. Uh, not a suitcase, a suke, <laughs> a soul. And uh, most sources uh, at least acknowledge that the soul or the psychological dimension of your life and mine can kind of be categorized in relationship to three things. Your intellect, your mind, what you think, your emotions, how you feel, and your will. Intellect, emotions, and will constitute the basic understanding of what a suke is, a soul. Belief involves believing with all three, but it usually begins. Psychological, if you will, belief begins with this issue of belief as a decision, or what we might call optional belief. Thinking of belief as a choice, or as a willing acceptance of something. We make a choice on the basis of our will. Stand before the the, the soup section in the in the. Uh, Depart- not department, in the, what do they call those? Supermarket. And uh, you stand there and you say, I'm going to take that one and two of these and four of these or whatever. And you make a choice and you are believing something. You, I believe I'll have two tomatoes and two, you know, uh, chicken gumbo or whatever. So deciding is certainly an element Belief Belief is often thought of as being primarily an exercise of the will, whereby we choose from numerous options before us. Decision that is deemed the most acceptable or viable among many options. Now that's a concept that enters into soul belief. Belief focuses on the the concept of acceptance, decision. A choice, And hence the idea of entering into a state of belief <coughs> or accepting Christ is uh, or beginning a, uh, to rely upon Christ for salvation and forgiveness is a first step, a first stage, is a part of how we are to believe. We are to accept Christ. This is how many evangelists, maybe most evangelists and evangelistic workers and evangelistic efforts choose to define believing as an initial act of a willing acceptance of Christ, which indeed is what people are called to do. I don't want to downplay this. It's a very vital step of belief. But in answering the question, how do you believe, many people stop, many people park, even many people, many evangelists park at this point of belief and think that if someone was invited like in a meeting like this to come forward and accept Christ that that constitutes what Paul was talking about to the Philippian jailer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Well, It is a part and a very important part. Of all of the options to choose, we are called to choose Christ. That's the basic beginning point in the expression believe on the Lord Jesus Christ which calls for a personal and specific choice or decision. I accepted Christ at a point in my life and that's made it all the difference in the world of course but there are other options I was interested in finding out I guess I always knew this to some degree but in the original text of John 3 16 the the tense of the word for belief is present tense which literally translated would read something like that uh, like this all who are believing in him will not perish. Now, uh, John, who is the author of the book of John, not this John here, some other John, but uh, John had a choice of terms. And as he was led by the Holy Spirit to make this, or as the Lord, some uh, there's some question whether this is a comment by John or whether the Lord himself said this, but it said, those who are believing, in Christ shall be saved. Now, there's all kinds of ramifications. I guess that's why I've been thinking about these dimensions of belief for several years now, uh, and maybe in some degree all through my Christian experience. What it means? What does it mean? How do I believe? Well, one of the ways that I believe is by exercising my will to accept Christ. Sometimes this is called in theology, the free will of man. But it is only the initial step because we're also to recognize believing as belief as a, I call this a belief as a differentiation or what we might call opinionated belief. We have an optional belief, an exercise of our will, but this takes into consideration that the fact that belief is not only an act of will or an act of willingly willing acceptance but it is also an act of emotional approval an approbation uh, approbation is that the word approbation uh, an approving of Christ this is why we often use expressions like feel very strongly about this when we talk about what we believe. Now, this is I feel strongly about this. It's not so much the will that is being emphasized here as much as it is how it moves us, how it touches our soul in the way we feel. We uh, say, uh, I'm very determined and I've, re- I've reached an opinion, opinionated belief, if you will, In the early 1980s, i got to watch my time. I'm running out of time. Man. In the early 80s, uh, Billy Graham came to Spokane, and I remember from the outset, Pastor Jerry and I uh, particularly, we made a decision that we were going to be involved from the beginning to the end. We wanted to see what this was all about, how they ran a campaign, what they did, and so forth. And from the invitation committee to the executive committee to the follow-up committee, all of those things we had part in. And one of the things that I had the opportunity to participate in was the, uh, fo- uh, the uh, what do they call it, you know, some kind of uh, uh, special needs uh committee, I guess you'd call it, I don't forget what they call it, but we had a a group of a few professionals, some Christian psychiatrists and counselors and so forth that were available at the crusade so that when the people came forward at the invitation and they expressed a special need or a counselor said, boy, this is beyond me, they could come and they could find additional counseling and help and so that was kind of my role during that conference. In addition to taking the offering, I should tell you that story, but I don't have time. <laughs> I was three or four seats away from Billy Graham and uh, all the big shots. And Cliff Barrows got up there, and he said, Now, Pastor Ken Carter of the Berean Baptist Church <laughs> will, take, will receive the offering. I, I could hear snickering out. I think... <laughs> Dwayne and Sandy were probably out in the audience laughing. My one 15 minutes of fame. They didn't even get my name right or the name of the church. Well, we got a good offering that evening, so that's good. But I saw people in that crusade. We were there every night. I think it was a week long or more. Every night. And as they gave an invitation, hundreds. In some cases, several thousand people came forward. And I saw tears coming down the faces of some of those people that came forward. Or some people who, and it's because I was involved with a special counseling group, we had people that had addictions of all kinds and problems of all kinds. And they came forward with the idea of not just willingly accepting Christ, but approving the Lord Jesus Christ as their savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Psychologically, an act of the will. Psychologically, also, an emotional conclusion or commitment in that way. Soul belief involves the willing choice and the emotional conclusion, but it also involves recognizing uh, an intellectual component, if you will, uh, a deduction, or a, uh, a uh, if you will, uh, an objective confession or creed. The Foundational component of soul belief is often expressed in a set of propositional statements or doctrinal confessions or creed, if you will. The act of the will the act of your emotions, and the act of your mind, your intellect. I had a lot more to say on this particular subject, but I want to go on in the final 30 minutes of my message. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go on to the fourth point because I I really want to stress this, and that is that Belief is not only a a choice, it's not only a confirmation, it's not only a confession in the sense of intellectually coming to know what you believe, but it is also a conviction. This is how we are to believe, with our will, with our emotion, with our mind, certainly. That's the sole belief, but there's an added factor which many people kind of bypass or maybe don't stop to think about much, and that is belief is a dynamic. This is what we might call observant belief. Belief is a conviction and it involves not only the willing acceptance and emotional approval and intellectual affirmation of the soul, but it includes the essential actualization of the spirit. Believing with your whole soul and with your whole spirit. Remember, when someone asked Jesus, uh, "What's the, what's the main commandment? The number one issue?" And he came back and he said, "Love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and mind." And so, he was, I think, indicating both the soul and the spirit in this process of belief. How do you believe? A lot of people just believe, or think about how to believe from the psychological. It's an act of my will. It's an act of my emotion. It's an act of my mind, which it is. But God wants it to be an act of your spirit. I think that's what it's saying in Romans 8, 16. The Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are a child of God. This is more than just an act of the will and the emotion and the mind. There's a dynamic of the Holy Spirit enlivening and quickening our spirit and then walking by faith with that understanding that we believe in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit certainly, but also we believe with our spirit which has been made alive and continues to be empowered by the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit. This is, all oh, four of these dimensions are included in my thinking in what biblical faith is. I've noticed the difference between, uh, well let me put it this way. I read somewhere and it, it really hit me that um, there the difference between soul belief and spirit belief. Is this soul belief, which involves the will and the emotions and the mind, has to do primarily with what you hold? We hold these truths to be self evident, is that you know? uh, And that we transfer that sometimes to our biblical situation, too. Soul belief is what we hold, spirit belief. Believing with every energy of our being and our fiber is what holds us. That's the difference. Do you believe in the sense of having a whole bunch of academic things that you hold to? uh, And feelings that it brings and will choices that you make and so forth? That's a part of it but if we leave out the understanding that faith is not only what we hold, but it's what holds us. That highest uh, or ultimate form of biblical faith or obedient faith is illustrated in that portion of scripture that was read this morning about the two builders you know, the one on the sand and the one on the rock, and the one who built on the sand, his house fell down. The one who built on the rock, obviously Christ himself. That, that house stood. And I believe it's primarily addressing this subject of what I'm calling spirit belief. Because at the beginning, he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like the person who builds a house on a solid rock who obeys an obedient faith some people have called it faith in action well it's the dynamic of the holy spirit that works now i want to tell you a story in memory of my friend jerry horgan that reminds me of a story this actually happened and i couldn't help but thinking about it and besides that paul goes over sometimes too so there. <laughs> I couldn't help but think of this story as I was thinking about the distinction between soul belief and spirit belief, Bel- believing in the sense of this is what I hold in contrast with this is what holds me, this is what drives me, faith, belief as a conviction, not just a choice, not just a confirmation, not just a confession, but a conviction. That's how God wants us to believe, with all our heart and soul. Couldn't help but recall this expression, this experience I had several years, or a number of years ago now, everything in my life is a number of years ago. Uh, But a number of years ago, I had this experience where a family started attending our church, and I was very, very impressed with the man in this family, his young, uh, younger man. And uh, I became more acquainted with him. Uh, I, I realized this man was very knowledgeable about the Bible. He was very knowledgeable uh, uh, in deeper ways, and well, he. He had a certain background, even an understanding of the dispensational flow of scripture and he could chart the past, the present and the future and so forth. But as I got to know him, I realized that as far as his soul belief that he gave evidence of sound academic choices and assuring conferences and affirmed creed and confession, I didn't find anything that I could really point to in his soul belief. It w- There was, man, I was impressed and I couldn't, I thought very seldom do we get someone who comes into our midst with all of this understanding and knowledge and preparation and quote, belief. However, it wasn't long before I realized that it was not his soul belief that was lacking but his spirit belief, if you will, the dynamic of the Holy Spirit in his life. Realize that man, as far as knowledge is concerned, as far as even emotional force in his life and choices that he'd made, at least openly, uh, there was nothing that I could really, he could have stood up here and preached the message. And yet I found after a while there was adultery and infidelity and other works of the flesh in this man's life. More and more it was what the man believed, not what the man believed, but how he believed that was the problem. Unfortunately, it's been my experience through the years to be most adversely affected by how people believe than what they believe. As a very young Christian, as a matter of fact, my first experience involved in what I'd call a a full congregation or operating church uh, as a student in Bible college. um, I was faced with uh, hearing about and knowing about the pastor's infidelity in his life. And uh, you can imagine the impact it had. The problem of that pastor was not what he believed, but how he believed. Well, in conclusion, (laughs) in answering the question, how do I believe, it's vital to understand that we are to believe what our whole soul and our whole spirit Says to us concerning our soul, we realize that belief is an act of the will, it's a choice, it's an act of our emotions, it's a confidence, it's an act of our intelligence, a deduction or a confession of mind. However, how we believe should also involve our whole heart and spirit, the very depth of our being where our spirit is empowered and aligned with the Holy Spirit and belief becomes a dynamic, a conviction. Some years ago, I was reading in a book, and I don't even know what the book was about exactly, and I don't remember the name of the book, but I remember reading a statement in that book that said everyone, every believer should have at least one conviction, for which they would be willing to spend their lives. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I asked myself, Self, (laughs) what is your conviction? In essence, I was asking myself, How do you believe? Not what. Not even who. But how. God wants us to believe. And our belief is to be a choice of our will and a confidence of our emotions and a confession of our mind or intellect. But most importantly, it is to be a conviction of our spirit, being witnessed to and and, and, and energized by the Holy Spirit of God. So the question is not, what do you hold in the way of belief? But what what holds you? What are your convictions? That's the question that each of us needs to ask. Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for your word, and thank you that we have an opportunity to consider it together this morning, and we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.